pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. On Friday, Melissa and I went on a walk from, um, from Gavitt's Lookout to Evans Lookout and down to Junction Rock and up to Gavitt's Leap. I thought we could easily do it in three hours. Um, I know. <laughs> Pride comes before the fall. Anyway, um, we, got, we were just going from Junction Rock and I thought, this is really hard. We had to get back to pick the kids up from school and, and by the time we'd even got to the waterfall at the bottom, I was just a mess. I, um, I just literally had to just sit in a or just lie down in a pool, just letting the, the waterfall just wash over me. Just, I, could, I thought, I've got this huge 800-foot climb or whatever to get to the car. How on earth am I going to do that? So I just sat in this pool. And just let the water, it was beautiful just to feel that cooling water. And I don't know about you, but that you may be sort of thinking today, there's things you have to face this week or whatever. And may this time be like a cooling waterfall for you as the deer pants for water. May you, as your, if your soul is just longing for God, I pray that this time is just like that, a cool, refreshing time with God. Just may his word to you this morning give the encouragement to, to persevere and keep going. We're spending the next six weeks or so, can you believe it's six weeks till Easter? We were just saying happy Christmas to each other, weren't we? And now it's, it's Easter, it's six weeks away. It's hard to believe it's so soon though. But what I want to really do over the next few weeks is spend time in Luke's Gospel. Uh, last year at Newtown Mission I ran a Bible study and we spent the whole year going through Luke's Gospel. We started out, we were going to just do it week by week, you know, go through it in 20 odd weeks, but we just found, I found it was so, just a profound Gospel. It just was opened up in a really fresh way for me. And it was just this whole idea that that Jesus, what what he was doing was so radical. It was just so um, unexpected. Everyone was just really, um, you know, just could not, understand what God was doing. They thought that God was doing something but not what Jesus was doing. There's a real urgency to it. Now, he's turning the place upside down. He's, everyone is just really going, what is God doing? You know, first of all, those people who are expecting this mighty Messiah, this mighty Messiah come and restore Israel, they're just going, what is Jesus doing? He's the, if he's the Messiah, what on earth is he doing? And he's basically going around to people, just the beautiful people of Israel, that they thought we're God's people. And he's saying, you know, I've found even greater faith in the Roman centurions than I've found in Israel. So he's really not getting himself on side with the people and he's not on side with the leaders either. He's, you know, here they are, they really thought they had God's law down pat. They really thought they were pleasing God and Jesus is just putting their noses out of joint by breaking their rules and saying, this is how you please God. And also, I think in the spiritual realm, the devil himself is in unfamiliar territory, isn't he? He's not used to somebody that's able to resist him, someone who's able to not give in to temptation, someone who's able to not be tricked and to resist what he's doing. And, and the whole spiritual realm is out of turmoil too, isn't it? As, as in turmoil as, as spirits are being cast out left, right and centre. So the whole nation is just really in turmoil. There's an urgency, you know, Jesus is on a mission. It's his time, it's God's time and what he does in those three years, in, in the 33 years of his life, reach us today. So I pray in the next few weeks as we just hear from Luke's Gospel, we, we journey with Jesus 
we walk with Jesus, they're sometimes to very unexpected places that we'll just realise that, that, that it's an exciting journey, that God is with us and be inspired to trust him as he continues to lead us. In today's story, 12-year-old Jesus goes missing on a trip to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. He's there with his parents, Mary and Joseph, and no one's life, I think, was put in more uproar and turmoil than poor Mary, Jesus' mother. It's been about 13 years since that angel Gabriel first came to her and declared she would be the mother of God's son. And as a single young woman, there was so much faith, wasn't there? Yes, may it be as you've said. Yes, bring it on, Lord. She gladly embraces this news that she'd be the mother of God's son, but nothing in her life has been normal. Nothing about Jesus is normal. His birth, his birth was just crazy intense, wasn't it? If we think about how easy it is for us to have children now, to, to take your heavily pregnant wife, you know, on a journey to, to, to Bethlehem for a census. And, and while they're welcoming poor baby Jesus into the world in a stable, in a cold, hay-filled stable, you know, it's, just, it's very unnormal. And that weird night when, you know, the glorious angels, the host of angels filled the sky with worship and praise. And then the lowly shepherds just rejoicing and praising God. It was a weird night indeed, Jesus' birth. And then you think about it, a group of rich foreigners coming and worshipping King Jesus and then having to go in the middle of the night. You know, Joseph getting that word, go, Jesus' life's in danger. And they went to Egypt as refugees. It's been a very interesting journey for Mary. Well, in today's story, they're in, in Jerusalem for Passover and it's the big festival, this big celebration as I remembered, the mighty things that God's done in the past in delivering God's people out of slavery in Egypt. So it's a, a wonderful celebration. Yeah, Jesus' family, they would have, would have travelled there perhaps with a, a large group of family and friends from Nazareth. And I'm sure, you know, they, they had hundreds and thousands of other people there pressing around them. So there was a lot of people there. You know, every time I go around these cliffs in Blackheath, particularly with the kids, I get very nervous. It's okay when it's just Melissa and I, but when the kids are there, it's just a little bit scary. You just sort of think they're not used to cliffs, and particularly Zach. I mean, Zach is completely unused to thousand foot drops. In fact, we saw him when we came up here for the, uh, to visit the uh, pastoral search committee. Um, he, was just, he picked up some, some leaves and just threw them over a cliff. And I just thought, I wonder how, oh my goodness, it's about a thousand foot drop. Poor Zach, he's so unused to cliffs, so whenever he's around cliffs, I just get so on edge. I mean, it's, it's just thinking about what could possibly happen. And at those times, even if the, the older kids are there, I'll actually think, you know what, they'll have to look after themselves. They've got some sense. But poor Zachy, he's got no understanding of cliffs at all. So he's, I just have an iron, you know, iron-clad fist, you know, just will not let him go. It's just this anxiety of this poor child. And I wonder if something like that's happening for poor Mary. You know, at the time she had, you know, Jesus had other brothers and sisters and thousands of other people. I wonder if it was just, you know what, let's just look after these kids. I'm, I've got, you know, Jesus is a 12-year-old boy. 
And 13 is the age of accountability. You're almost an adult at 13 in the Jewish society. So maybe Jesus will just have to look after himself. I've got all these kids, I've got to look after them. She was so preoccupied looking after the other kids that maybe she just trusted Jesus would have to look after himself. Because I think, you know, she spent a whole day travelling not knowing that he was there. Preoccupied, you know, didn't even realise Jesus wasn't around. I can't see him, but maybe he's just out the back there somewhere talking to his cousins or neighbours. No? Oh, look, he's back there somewhere. Look, you know, trying to get the kids back to, to Nazareth. And then it must have dawned on them. Hang on. He's not there, you know. That's ridiculous. You know, how far have we come? Oh my goodness, we're a day out of Jerusalem. And just that horrible feeling, where is he? He might be the son of God, but where is he? And then it takes a day to get back and it takes a day scanning Jerusalem. Three days without your child, not knowing where he was. By this stage, I'm sure they're not thinking, he's not just any Jewish boy, he'll be okay. I'm sure by then there's an overwhelming sense of distress that they have. So the last thing they remembered was this, remember, was this great calling that he had on his life. He's the son of God. Yeah, it must have been so obvious in hindsight that he was at the temple. It must have been so obvious that Jesus would have been there. I'm sure in hindsight they said, yes, he, of course he was there. And I also think there was, there was so much about his life that hadn't been fulfilled yet. That's true, isn't it? The angel Gabriel said that he would rule on King David's throne forever. The angel Gabriel, you know, speaking into his life, Mary herself prophesying about him. My son, he's not even born yet, but my son will perform mighty deeds. My son will bring down evil rulers from their throne. He'll lift up the humble. He'll feed the hungry. That hadn't happened yet. Yes, Simeon and Anna in this same temple in Jerusalem, prophesying he'll be the Messiah, prophesying he'll, he'll be a light to even the Gentiles. None of that had happened. So there was still so much that Jesus had to achieve in life. But all that was forgotten, wasn't it? Because Jesus was missing. And like any parent that had their child missing, they were just in absolute desperation. A thousand horrible scenarios, I'm sure, went through their head. He was their precious child and he was lost. They didn't think, oh, that's okay, he's God's son too. God will look after him. No, they're as worried as you and I would have been in the same position. We're worried when life just hits us. God and his plans take a back seat to immediate, more pressing needs. And that can happen to us too. God and his amazing plans for this world, for us, and his world. Take a backseat as we're caught up in, in everyday life and everyday drama. Especially when life hits for a six and, and, and health problems, as, as we heard this morning. Little babies getting sick. When, when, when that happens to you, it's true, isn't it? You forget the big, big, big promises over your life. When, when finances, you know, when, when you've got bills to pay and it doesn't add up and you think, how on earth? Am I going to get through this? Or problems in, in relationships, all these many things that just happen to us, just hit us in a day. We just forget about the promises over us. You know, the promises that we quote, the promises we cherish, the promises we value so highly and recite 
when things are going well just seem to be forgotten, when life spirals out of control. Plans like he'll always be with us, promises like he'll always be there, he'll never leave us. His plans for us are always good. Or words that have been spoken over our lives that we think, you know, that they haven't happened yet. They just all get forgotten. Well, after a whole day of searching, a whole day of retracing their steps, Mary and Joseph find Jesus in the temple courts. And his holding court is astonishing people with his wisdom, with his questions. He's just absolutely in control. Must have been something else, mustn't it? Here they are worried and there's Jesus with an audience just delighting them with the wisdom that he has. Almost oblivious to the stress he's caused his poor parents too. It's almost like, what? Didn't you know I'd be here? He was only 12. (laughs) Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Now we know that Jesus says, don't be anxious. But even his parents said, you know, what you've done, we're anxious. You know, just like Mary, you may be wondering, where on earth Jesus has gone? Where have you gone, God, in life? Here, I'm, I'm just, feel like I'm just anxious all the time. I'm anxiously searching for you and I can't find you. Upset at God. You know, God, why have you made me feel like this? Well, let's take comfort in Jesus' reply. Surely they must have known he'd be in his father's house. Now, not, not said with a with a harsh rebuke, but with lots of love, even as a 12-year-old boy, surely you must have known I'd be here. And we read that Mary treasured those words in her heart. She treasured them, not in a mind, not in a mind where she was trying to work it all out, but somehow in her heart, in her heart. There's an important distinction. Do you need to be reminded this morning? You can still find Jesus in his Father's house. I love this verse from Hebrews 12. Verses 2 and 3, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. We can always find Jesus. He's at the right hand side of the Father, always. You know, like Jesus, God wants to set joy before us. Whatever trial we're going through, there's joy set before it. We don't need to lose heart. We don't need to grow weary. There's joy set before the Beyond what we're going through is something greater. And thanks for those wonderful songs this morning that really do remind us to keep going. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. If we can't find him, Perhaps we are looking with the wrong set of eyes. Eyes that are connected to the mind. Eyes that are trying to analyse. Eyes that are trying to work out what on earth is going on in life. How are we going to get through this set of problems? What other set of eyes could we possibly have than these set of eyes? Again, beautiful words from Paul. Ephesians 1, 18-20. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, 
not only in the present age but also in the one to come. So eyes of the heart, eyes of faith, eyes that, that don't look by sight. They're not trying to work it out. They're trusting that God is God. We can trust. We have the joy. We can have the hope that God never changes and also the absolute promise of his immense power. That same power that we, we look at at Easter time that God raised Jesus, raised him to life and then raised him up. It takes a lot of power to do that, doesn't it? To raise him back up and seat him back at his right hand. That's the same power that's available to us. It's quite something, isn't it? You know, the place of ultimate authority is where Jesus is when we want to know where he is. Where's Jesus? He's at that place of ultimate authority. He's at the right hand of God. And he's, he says, come boldly and seek me at that time. We might not be able to work out in our minds what God is doing, but just like Mary, we can trust in our hearts that everything is going to be okay and that he's with us. And a final promise from Jesus himself in John 16.33, In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I'll say that again. It's, it's, a, it's a real promise from Jesus. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have trials. Difficult times will come, but take heart. Don't lose heart. The eyes of your heart, may they be open. May faith rise up, because I have overcome the world. Trials may come. Trials will come. Jesus declares, but take heart. He promises in the midst of that that the same peace that he had, the same peace that allowed him to go to the cross can be ours as we endure whatever life throws at us. I've got here, let's not forget the problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. That we never forget that Satan is hovering and he'd love nothing more in our trial for us to completely lose heart, to grow so weary that we just give up and think, no, God can't get us through this. You know, take heart. Just have that eye of faith that says, I can get through this. You know, God's word promises joy, hope, power and peace can be ours. I think about that Andy underneath Guppet's Leaf, you know, just as, as that sort of lovely feeling of the water giving me the strength to keep going. I pray that that's what's happening even as I speak this morning. That God's joy can be yours again, the joy of the Holy Spirit, that the the hope of who God is, not I hope that this gets better, but just the hope, a hope that says, you know, God is God and he won't forsake me. Those promises that we hold on to in better times, his power will get you through and his peace will be yours as you endure. Like Mary, may you treasure these words in your heart, even if they're difficult to understand in your current situation, in your mind. I was sharing with someone this week that there have been times in my life where there have been prolonged periods of, of difficult circumstances that, that it just seems sometimes God's missing or indifferent or somehow can't see how on earth he could do anything with, with what's happening in my life. I learn about the word perseverance. Perseverance means long-suffering. It doesn't just mean suffering. It means a situation that doesn't change, that you just have to keep on showing faith, 
even though the circumstance doesn't change. I learned an awful lot in those times. I'm, I'm almost grateful for them. I almost understand what the Bible, you know, when the Bible talks about, you know, that these consider it pure joy when you go through trials of any times because what can happen at these times is priceless. And I, I, I think one of the best things I learned that sometimes we think these trials that we go through, they're just hurdles to overcome. You know, they come upon us, this wall, and somehow if we get over this wall, somehow this problem finishes, everything will be fine or everything will go back to normal. What I've actually understood is that these, these problems, these trials aren't hurdles. They're steps. Steps to growth. As I hit these things and I get through them, I realise I don't just go back to where I was before. I actually realise that I've grown, that, that somehow, because I've trusted God, that actually my faith has grown. And God has grown too. That I thought I understood God before the trial, but he's somehow shown me different aspects of who he is as he hasn't allowed this trial to end. Somehow as I've persevered, kept going, that God grows in the situation. It's a bit like that verse 52, where Jesus grows in stature and wisdom. I think that's true when we go through these situations and trust that God's still there. When it does actually, you know, in a sense, peter off and things get a bit better, do we actually realise, you know, wow, I'm not the same. I can almost give thanks in every circumstance. Almost just be grateful that God allowed that trial into my life. Almost. I'm not there yet. You know, sometimes I can look back and I can see God's hand. Ah, in hindsight, that's why he allowed that to happen because something really wonderful did come into my life as a result of that. Other times, I'm still as baffled as when I went through it. I still don't know why God has allowed some of the things to happen in my life. It's not as if I deserve them, it's just that they, they happened. And I just, Lord, I don't know why, Lord. I don't know why you allowed that. But you're still God. And you've got me through this before and I won't lose heart. I will not. I'll persevere. I try and remember those, just that remembrance. You were faithful in the past, God. You've done it before. And I'm not going to allow this situation to crush me. May you not hear these words lightly this morning. Like Mary, you might be thinking, where are you, God? I hope somehow you've been able to find him in his father's house. I just pray you'll make that decision to continue to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Looking with eyes of faith, not around you, but just eyes that see him seated on his throne. See him in that place of ultimate power and authority. I pray joy and hope and strength and I pray peace finds you. And may it be like that water flowing over a very, very thirsty, hot man, just giving him the strength to keep going. I pray this week that's exactly what happens in your circumstance. And no matter what is going on, that this this time has been a time for you just to really believe God's word and trust that he's still there, he's still faithful and you can endure. May joy be set before you. Let me just pray for us all. Lord, first and foremost, I thank you for your word. I just think, Lord, we would be so lost, 
so helpless without it, Lord. Some you know, things that happen in our life that we just would not know how on earth we're going to get through them, let alone see any sort of joy and peace and all those sort of things beyond where we currently are, Lord. But thank you for your word. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today and forever, Lord Jesus. And I just know that you know intimately every single thought, every single circumstance of every single person here, Lord God. And I pray that these words that that have been spoken today, that faith will rise up, strength will rise up, joy will rise up, hope will rise up, peace will rise up as we sit under your word this morning, Lord God. And I pray, I do particularly pray for, for an ability to overcome anything that may be coming upon God's people, that we overcome And we do actually see your hand. We want to see your mighty power, Lord Jesus, as we trust in you, as we wait upon you. We just pray for breakthrough. I pray if there are people, even right now, that have come with massive anxieties, with with just situations in their life right now which just seem so burdensome. I thank you for that beautiful promise in 1 Peter 5, 7 that says, Cast all your anxieties upon the Lord, for he cares for you. I just pray that right now that they could just do that. They feel like a backpack, just a weight on their backs. They just feel it lifted off right now, Lord Jesus.